Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Tim Livesey, the CEO of Oriel Resources. Now, Tim joined about two years ago and inherited some legacy projects as he positions them, which are perhaps not where the company wants to be today. So we talk about how he hopes to unravel the mystery in Turkey, what the IM, farm out, IM Gold farm out could mean in Senegal, and tries to put a value on the multitude of legacy assets and is struggling to come up with a number. However, he does have Cameroon, which is his prize project, where he hopes to develop the licenses which they have there. He explains how he's going to do that. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, Tim. How are you doing, sir? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Where are you hold up? Uh, I'm hiding out in uh, in rural North Yorkshire. Oh, lovely. Avoid crowds. <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely. The best of times. So yeah, good. Well, um. New story for us and our viewers and subscribers and followers. So why don't you kick off, give us a one minute summary and I'll take it from there. Okay, so Oriol is a uh, effectively a reincarnation of, of an older company, Stratix International. Um, mm-hmm. or I came on board a couple of years ago and um, brought in new management team, new board of directors. And we are a uh, primarily an, an African focused uh, early stage explorer. We have some legacy assets at various stages, right up to um, to the royalty levels. Uh, we are focused in Cameroon on our own projects, and we have a significant uh, license holding in uh, the KKN in Senegal, which is joint ventured out to Iron Gold at the present. Um, we are basically trying to discover new frontiers in gold in uh, in Africa. Okay, brilliant. Thanks for the summary. So I'd like to get into you were thinking, you came in a couple of years ago, you brought a new team in. You obviously have come to the table with a plan. What is it? Uh, well, uh, coming to the table with a plan, the company's plan uh, prior to me joining kind of fell apart in, in 2017. Um, Stratex initially started off as a, an early stage explorer in Turkey and uh, East Africa. and. Um, during from 2006 to sort of 2016 they they developed some identified and developed some really nice assets uh, which brought a lot of money back into the company then in 2017 uh, there was a push by the company to go into more advanced stage projects and um, the shareholders basically got split down the middle Uh, it was it was a bit of a brexit vote a bit of a 48 52 type scenario and there was a requisition uh, which took out the CEO at the time and uh, left the company with um, a significantly eroded share price. Uh, the, the kitty was was depleted and a, a little bit rudderless and no real direction. And that's when I was asked if I'd be interested in coming in and trying to do a bit of a turnaround on it. Um, I'd come out of uh, Eastern Europe. I'd been with Reservoir Minerals and, uh, and then Nevsan in uh, Serbia. Chikara Pecky project, which had been a great success for Reservoir and subsequently for, for Nevsan. Um, so the idea was to come in and take the company back to its roots. Um, I, I have a long background in gold exploration with Barrick, uh, Barrick Gold, and uh, I had previously worked extensively in Africa and Middle East. So 
Um, the idea was to get back into uh, into the company, rebuild it, bring in a new management team, a new board, um, rebrand it. Uh, so in the first six months, we brought in uh, Bob Smeet, now a CFO. Uh, we brought in two new non-exec directors, John McGloin, our chairman, and David Pelham, non-exec. And we brought in some new projects, which were actually uh, Cameroon-focused uh, projects, which uh, were projects that I was aware of from previous times. Um, we'd on, on literally the day I came in as the CEO in, in March 2018, we had just signed that day, or the company had just signed that day, um, a joint venture agreement on the Senegalese asset, uh, Sonala, which at the time was called Dalafin. And uh, I am Gold were earning in on that license. So basically, I came into a company with a great technical team and a great um, technical discovery history, uh, but with no assets under their own direct management. Um, they were all JV'd out, stuff in Turkey, legacy stuff in East Africa. Senegal. So Cameroon was um, something that we'd identified, I'd identified previously, uh, personally, uh, had an interest in it from my time with Reservoir, where Reservoir Minerals had some assets there. They'd made some gold discoveries uh, back in 2012. And um, I was aware these these projects were available. Um, I knew the partner, I put it past the board, and we did a, and they carried out an independent review to make sure that um, we weren't jumping in just on my say-so, but on, on some good geological and technical uh, input. And uh, we decided to go ahead, and we've spent the last year and a half, two years, progressing those assets and expanding our position in Cameroon as an early stage, new frontier. Um, Cameroon's got a lot of interest for us, and, and we believe it will have a lot of interest for other players in the, in the coming years as well. Right, okay. A lot of moving parts there. A lot of moving parts. And I, I'm interested that you use the phrase legacy. You're, you're not taking ownership of what you inherited. Um, where are you? Well, it's ours now. Uh, and we have to get value back from it in some way. Um, some of the stuff has, you know, with all of these old projects, there's always some hairy bits around them that need sorting out. Um, and we have been dealing with that quite successfully. Um, you know, there's been some, some outstanding cost issues and so on but uh yeah the way we the way we as a team look at at the historical assets are um these had value and they retain value and um although they they can add value to the company they're not necessarily where we want to be 100 percent focused you know we want to to benefit from them a lot of good work went into them but uh, we don't want to necessarily continue all of them under our own uh our own direction so we need to realize value from them as we've done most recently i guess with with the tembo uh, sales with the position we had in tembo um you know this was something that we weren't looking to continue um we weren't uh, looking to expand our, our position in tanzania as an example um we had a shareholding there that was effectively just a, an investment sitting doing nothing and we felt that we would be able to better employ that capital. But I'm interested you use the word you've successfully done it. That's what you said at the beginning of, of your the response. Um, you know, yeah. Tembo, for example, you've you've got some money. How much money did you get for that? Uh, we realised about £170,000. And how Tembo. much has the company actually spent on that investment to date? Uh, to be honest, prior to my engagement, I don't know what the actual cost was. There were some... Um, 
Uh, a lot of the shareholding there was was um, shares in kind. We we I believe supplied technical support uh, by way of Bob Foster, who was uh, one of the founders of the company, uh, a very uh, knowledgeable uh, geologist. And in return for his time, um, the company built up shareholding. So um, I couldn't put a, a direct coin number on it. Right. But I think it's more important to focus on the value that you can get from that money rather than how much went in. Um, you know, it's a bit like a private company saying, well, I spent two million, therefore it's worth two million. You spend two million, it could be worth 10 million, it could be worth nothing. Um, it depends on what progress that asset is making. I guess what I'm trying to get at is, you know, if I'm, if I'm a long-standing shareholder, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, we spent more money on it than we're getting now. So that's a, that's a loss. You're saying, well, let's not focus on that. Let's get some money, considering the position we're in at the moment, and do something with that money to ho- hopefully regain any value lost and more. Yeah. And get focused because yeah. it was a distraction. Okay. So can I talk about some of the th- the legacy bits? Because I want to I want to kind of park those so that we can focus on Cameroon because that seems to be the yeah. the you know the the new golden child here okay in this so let's look at turkey you talked about turkey so you used the phrase you said it kind of fell apart and well the company sort of fell apart or lost its way a bit in 2017 so can you tell me about what what have you as a new ceo inherited there because i know there's some nsrs there which was you know potentially great but I, I i couldn't quite work out what the value of turkey was today to you um it's again it's very difficult to put a number on Turkey was the, um, the the basis of the company initially. Uh, you know, this is where most of the the large um, recouped cash value came from sale of Turkish assets, discoveries mm-hmm. made by the Turkish team, advanced by the Turkish team, and then those assets sold off. Um, you know, at a, at a sort of a resource uh, definition stage. So Turkey, we have a portfolio of uh, six different royalties in Turkey at the moment. Um, we also have some outstanding, um, an outstanding legal case for recoupment of uh, a fee that was paid to the tax authorities there. Uh, and we also have some success-based fees which are due on two of the projects. So it's, it's a bit of a smorgasbord of value. It's very difficult to put a, a definitive number on, on each one of those individually. Um, collectively, in the past, I mean, the most recent asset sale there was probably Oxford, which brought in about $24 million, I think, all up uh, with our NSR position as well. So, um, you know, we're now down to NSRs in the range of one and a half to two percent on most of those those assets. Um, some of them are most of them gold. We also have a copper uh, royalty asset and we also have some unusual things. We have an antimony asset, for example. Now, these are all non-core and um, Basically, they are worth what we can get for them. Um, you know, it's, it's, I don't think, appropriate to say, well, you know, we spent X amount on those licenses, therefore it must give us X amount back. It's more a case of, okay, the company, a long-standing shareholder, for example, um, may have come in under Stratex in 2007, you know, when things were, times were great, or, you know, 2012, 13, 14. We are not Stratex. Stratex essentially stopped in 2017. You know, the requisition was an attempt to take the company towards more advanced stage projects. 
um, away from early stage projects. And um, the shareholding was split and the majority went saying, you know, we want to stay in early stage exploration. So that's exactly what we're doing. Um, so the value that's tied up in Turkey is really, um, the value to us is how do we realize any capital out of that at all, uh, any short-term cash, because we can create more additional value with short-term cash in Cameroon. I hear you. Then we can by, by sitting on, on legacies. So, so let's talk about that. So you, you're, there was a sort of tax liability, which the board covers about a million-ish pounds. Million dollars, yeah. Million dollars, yeah. sorry, sorry. And, and you're trying to get that back. How, how long have you been trying to get it back? What Have you written that off or do you expect to actually be able to recoup that? Well, the tax liability, um, just a bit of background on this to, to clarify what the previous board did mm -hmm. and why they did it. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I have to say, I agree with what they did and I would, I would do exactly the same again uh, if I was in the same position. Um, under Turkish law, as a local Turkish director of a Turkish company, you are personally liable. Now, there was a sale of an asset which had a tax liability on it, and the partner who was due to pay that tax liability didn't pay. Um, so the taxman came after our Turkish exploration manager, who was the local director of the company. And the choice was that somebody paid the tax, the outstanding tax liability, or our Turkish director went to jail. And then you negotiate it whilst he's sitting in jail. Now, first of all, that's a very poor position to be in from a negotiation standpoint. Um, so for that reason, you know, on, on its own, that would be enough to say, okay, well, let's let's pay the uh, pay the tax man and then deal with the with the local partner. Uh, but just from a, a you know, it, it's I think it's morally reprehensible to to treat your staff like that. So I would I would have done exactly what the board did at the time, which was pay the debt to the the bill, the tax bill to uh, to the Turkish state, and then chase. The, the Turkish uh, partner. Now that is, the court is aware, uh, the court has acknowledged the debt. Um, that Turkish partner has also some other um, legal cases against him. And so it's a matter of due court process. Um, we don't know how long that'll take. It's It's been in, in place since before we joined the company, since before Bob and I came in. So over two years already. Um, we don't know, we don't really have any visibility, clear visibility on how long that's going to take. So um, have we written it off? Well, mentally, um, you know, it, it's not something that's, that's high on our list of, well, we're expecting this money to come in. Uh, but obviously it is something that we are continuing to progress to an extent, to the extent that we can uh, through the Turkish legal system. Is that costing you money? No. No, our Turkish team has um, not, we, they haven't done a pulled cash call from us in, in well over a year. Um, we took a position back in, it would be mid 18, late 18. Um, because of all this value that's tied up in all these different pots, shall we say, in Turkey, uh, we, we certainly wanted to retain the team. Uh, it's important for us to, uh, and by team I'm talking, one expression manager, one geo, an admin, and a, and a, a financial person. So um, we wanted to retain them because the only way we are ever going to see value back out of Turkey is by having our own people on the ground. So what we did was we said, okay, we don't want to incur this at a cost. Uh, so let's 
create an opportunity for our Turkish team to operate as effectively as consultants. And, and we set up um, under the Stratex Madencelik, uh, the, the Turkish entity, uh, we set up a consultancy service. So they've been operating, um, actually creating value for the company, um, covering all of their costs. And what we've been doing with that, uh, that income is we've been addressing some of the historical um, employee liabilities that have been allowed to build up in Turkey under the previous um, management team. So when we do get to the point where Turkey's, uh, we, where we've got an exit point for Turkey, we then have the opportunity to either exit with no outstanding liabilities from the company side, which means our team is is paid up to date and every, everybody's happy, or we can maintain that team and carry on running a consultancy if it's profitable, um, and then recoup money back into the into Oriol. But um, that, you know, may basically create another distraction that we don't necessarily want. So, uh, but that's a decision for the future. That's not something. Okay, so I can see why you're struggling to put a value on it because there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of which seem to be, you know, it's tidying up. You're kind of clearing the decks. So I don't, I think it's probably reasonable, as you say, for long standing shareholders to say that situation is not going to get resolved anytime soon. Let's focus on the future. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I think I think the thing is, you know, focus on the fact that Oriol is a different company to where Stratix was in 2017. I've got to ask, you know, why, 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 why on earth did you come in to an unholy mess of a company and not find a clean vehicle for Cameroon? Um, he said with to hindsight. Be honest, I, to be no, 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 not at all. Um, I mean, to be honest, I I knew uh, Stratix, the company. I was aware of it for. Um, for my time when I was the exploration manager for Europe and the Middle East for, for Barrick, um, I had uh, I'd actually reviewed some of the, the Stratix Turkish assets uh, for Barrick. Um, I knew Bob Foster, one of the founders, and uh, Bob personally approached me after Bob was sort of stepping out of the company, stepping down during, uh, you know, on the run up to the requisition. And, um, and then we had, um, we had a, a, a situation where uh, Bob had to be called back in to be the interim CEO and, and try and find a way out after the requisition in, in November 17. So Bob approached me and said, Tim, you know, I need a bit of help. Uh, you know, would you be interested? Um, I had just come out of about three and a half years in Serbia, very successful run with Reservoir Minerals. You know, we sold Reservoir for 360 million to, uh, to Nevsan. And then a successful kickstart for Nevsun, which was eventually sold for one and a half billion to, to Zijin. Um, so I was in a position where I, I'm a bit of a philanthropist when it comes to the mining industry. I, I, I have a, a soft spot for the underdog. And, and Bob came and, and said, listen, company's in a bit of a state. I really don't want to have to spend the next five years getting it back on track. We have some legacy um, shareholders there that really need looked after. Do you fancy coming in? Um, I had a look at it and I thought, God, this is going to be a challenge. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's that's what makes it interesting. Um, you know, I, I could have just gone out and used a, a private vehicle to, to chase Cameroon. Um, in a private vehicle, um, it wouldn't have had quite the... Uh, the energy and excitement around it that uh, that I have with this. And the team is very good. I mean, underlying all this, despite the, the push and pull from more advanced to lesser, you know, early stage, late stage, early stage, 
Okay. Uh, the technical team is is really competent, really smart people. Okay, well, let's finish. Um, let's finish. Let's finish off on on the um, guys. So, the, in terms of the non-camera and stuff, because I want to, let's say, I want to get that off the table. So, uh, you've got a twenty-seven percent share in Thani Stratax. Is that right? Is that what? Have you? Can you put a value on that? So, Thani Stratax is now split into Thani Stratax Resources and Thani Stratax Djibouti. They're now two private companies. They were one private company, and they were formed um, by the merger of Tony Emirates, who previously had a joint venture with Angler Gold Ashanti, and it was called Tony Ashanti. They had some projects. Stratex International had some projects in East Africa. And so they merged the two groups together, and uh, each putting their licenses in effectively to, to create this private vehicle with the idea that the private vehicle would um, progress the assets a little bit and then list, get some public money and, and take it forward. Um, so there's quite a lot of money being spent collectively on some of those assets through Anglo Ashanti's time, through uh, Antofagasta was involved in some of the assets for a while. Um, but effectively, these are two private companies and we have a, a smaller shareholding in Tony Stratix Djibouti than we have in Tony Stratix Resources. So, so Tony Stratix Resources effectively has some projects in Egypt um a resource of around about a couple of thousand couple of hundred thousand ounces announced by uh, i think it was a csa um uh resource estimate from a few years ago um those assets haven't had any investment in for well over two years in djibouti um the the djibouti assets these licenses were actually previously stratex they were our licenses previously and um they attracted the attention of an investment from Ahmed Fund 3 uh, a number of years ago. They took a 50% position in Djibouti. And um, again, over the last two years, nothing really has happened in Djibouti. And then recently, the two, com the com the two projects, the countries have been split into two private companies. Um, so we own, I think, 11 or 12% of Tony Stratix Djibouti now. Um, but that is now getting, it's now got a new management team. Uh, under NurtureX uh, with financial support from Ahmed Fund 3. And um, they're progressing the, the exploration, or they were until COVID, in, uh, in Djibouti. So, um, so a couple of hundred thousand ounces in Egypt, unsure about the tenure of the license there. These, these are not assets that we control. These are just effectively investments. Um, and Djibouti is probably likely to be the more valuable in the longer term. Um, because it's, ha it's having active exploration right now on, on a, a brand new frontier. Can you put a value on it today? Uh, I would guess, and I'm, I would be guessing, um, I mean, Ahmed came in, Ahmed Fund 3 came in initially, I think, for about two and a half million, and then I think they're coming in for another two and a half million. So, um, yeah, it's in millions. Our, our position in it would be less probably between half a million and a million at our shareholding um, on a private company basis. But as I say, private company valuation is very difficult to do. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So I, I'm, I'm hearing, I think that's a, a long way of saying not sure yet. Not sure yet. Got it. Looking to see, looking to see um, how the current exploration does and looking to see whether there is any interest in the market uh, to get involved in okay. that area. Let's go to Senegal. Let's go to Senegal because obviously Iron Gold has is involved. 
Um, yes. What's the what's the situation with that today? So the license there, the, the Dalafin license, as it was called, um, was relinquished and renewed last year. Um, so we were able to, with our partner, uh, EMC, uh, Stratix EMC is the, is the shareholder vehicle there now, um, we were able to relinquish the entire license area, reapply and grant the entire license area. We had to rename it, so we've renamed it Sonala. But effectively, that 472 square kilometer plot in the middle of the, the KKIN layer is, is now secure tenure for the next 10 years. So the license is strong. Uh, I'm Gold are just going into year three of their investment. Uh, we went through the work program with them in January, February time. <clears throat> March is the is the annual. What are they obliged to do with it? Uh, the it's a it's a split earning. Uh, the first phase is to reach fifty one percent, and to do that, they've got to spend four million over four years, and then to take that fifty one percent to seventy percent, they need to spend another four million over two years. Uh, so they're going into year three now. Uh, they've they've maintained their um, their investment position up till now. They've been focused initially in the south. We, there's five targets. Um, the Sonala license is quite a long, thin license. Um, <clears throat> there's five targets spread along its length. The, the first two years, Iron Gold really focused in the south. Medina Barfay uh, was their initial target. Um, these are two two anomalies that we identified on the Stratex originally. And um, those two are, are within truckable distance, within a 15Ks of the Boto Mine Development Project, which is uh, Iron Gold's got a couple of million ounce uh, reserve there, which they are um, they are permitted for. They've had the mining license application approved. Um, they have their quarterly report coming out later today, tomorrow. Be interesting to see what they say. Um, but they have started recruiting some positions uh, for Boto. Uh, typical early stage, sort of long lead positions for construction. So how much have they spent to date on, on your project, your JV project? Uh, I think the total spend up to now is is around uh, between one and a half and two million. Right. And what do they know? What do they know? Um, well, they've done extensive drilling in Medina Barfay and Sarudia. Um, this year, going into year three, they're moving the team up to Faray. Now, Faray is, it's a, a, it's not truckable distance to Boto. It's about 50 k's to the north. Um, but Faray was the more advanced target uh, under Stratex. That's where Stratex had done quite a bit of drilling. Um, and Stratex had uh, initially identified some, some pretty good lengths of, you know, reasonably grading, you know, 1.8 to... And then some shorter lengths of sort of higher grade, you know, eight, up to 83 grams, I think was the highest. Uh, and we're talking, you know, seven meters, 23 meters, 96 meters, I think was one of the lengths of intersection. So it's quite a complex structural area. It, it's dominated by a, a northwest structure trend with an east northeaster, which is very, very similar to what Chesser Resources are drilling just 10 kilometers to the east of it. Um, where they're having success, they announced today they've just restarted the drilling program up there. Um, so we believe that's got the potential for a standalone, but we don't know what the resource is there yet. Um, Stradex didn't complete a resource estimate before they signed the JV because they were distracted by the the effort to get into um, the push. And what, and what about IM Gold? Uh, do they plan to uh, 
put out a resource during the four or six year period that they're well, going to Well, they're putting in, I mean, this year, they're putting in 10,000 meters of AC drilling at Faro. Right. Um, you know, they're not hanging around. Um, whether they will announce a resource there this year, who knows? Um, I would imagine, you know, I, I've worked on the other side of these kind of deals where I've been the major. And um, you really, you're shooting yourself in your in the foot to some extent by mm. giving the junior too, too tasty a target and then have to buy the junior out for an elevated price. Um, so I think they're, they're playing a longer game here. Boto is obviously very significant for them. If Boto goes ahead <clears throat> as a mine development, then the southern targets have the potential to be satellite uh, supply and satellite feed for Boto. Uh, Faray as a standalone project would potentially again bring in more focus to that uh, that area for them. Right. Um, we've when they get to fifty one percent, then obviously they they have more control. So. I expect they would they would probably play things pretty quietly until they got to fifty one percent. Okay, and after that point, well, presuming they do go beyond that point, what what are the terms? Are you carried here, or are you going to need to raise we're, your own capital? Um, do you set as a passenger? How does it work? Well, we're we're carried to seventy percent um, to their to their seventy percent, yeah, and then beyond that, it's contribute or dilute with an ultimate backstop of uh, an NSR position. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always tough in a in a minority position uh, to defend your your place. Uh, it's exactly the same position we had actually in Reservoir Minerals with uh, Freeport McMoran uh, earning in. They were earning into seventy five percent, and at Reservoir we were able to very successfully counter um, that and to realise the value from that asset. As I said, we we made a three hundred and sixty million dollar sale of the company based on that. Um, so for us, uh, we want to stay in as long as we can to see the value build. Uh, this is not something we necessarily want to run away from right now. Um, and we've got another um, three and a half to four years before they reach their, their trigger point. Okay. So we've got plenty of time for that, those assets to be developed. So same question again, how do you put a value on that today? Well, uh, okay, so um, if we did comparative value for licenses in the area, uh, Chesser Resources is right next door. Their market cap is about 9 million UK sterling equivalent. Their footprint is a, oh, it's probably a, an eighth or a ninth the footprint that we've got on the Sonala license. Uh, we've got five targets. They've got basically one. Um, so just from that, the fact that Iron Gold putting in an $8 million earning to get 70%, you know, you could very easily just back calculate off that and say, Sonala should be pushing our, Sonala alone should be pushing our market cap to, you know, 10 to 15 million, um, just based on that, I would expect. But certainly, you know, one of the things that we, as a management team recognized very early on was the, 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 the ironic, um, value addition of the requisition in 2017, which destroyed value for the company. I mean, yeah. it wrote six million off the share price. Um, that ironically, that what destroyed the value actually um, has, has put value back into us now. Um, 
Well, it hasn't if you look at the share price, right? The, the, if you look at the share price, it definitely hasn't done that. And if you look at the market cap, it definitely hasn't done that, right? It's not being recognised by the market cap. Therefore, it hasn't. We, we, we recognise it as a management team. Every um, management team um, recognises it. I, I get this from every CEO. Do you know what? We're undervalued, Matt. So yeah, Exactly. So, That's the default position. Okay, but so far, with all the kind of non-focus stuff, the legacy stuff, it's hard to put a, a number on it because there's there's yes. lots of information missing, okay? And you said in November, we're going to start to look to offload some of this, create some... Um, you had a disposal strategy you talked about, I think. Yeah, realising value from right. some assets. Okay. That was only November. A couple of things have happened since then, obviously, uh, in yep. the market. Um, I guess that process is, has been interrupted. But even so, um, how are you going to deliver on that disposal strategy this year in terms of, let's say, Turkey or even that uh, Tani Stratex? You've, you've got rid of Tembo. You've explained it's better to have got some money than no money and it doesn't matter how much has been spent on it. And, and, and I can appreciate that position. Um, how... How do you get the market to recognise even Senegal, even uh, Sanala? I mean, it, it's not. What do you do? Well, Senegal is is a is a very um, it's quite binary, really. Um, you know, Bolto gets an announcement; they're going to go ahead and mine. It will have a, a knock on effect just from a proximity play. Um, the rest of the Sanala license, if they have continued success at Fare. Um, you know, you don't need to put in too many new holes to be able to start building a resource up there. Uh, we're not at the stage right now where there's enough drilling to hang a resource on that we would be happy to publish. Uh, but it wouldn't take more than, you know, maybe five holes to, to give us enough data for us to do that independently, which is, by the way, what we did with Reservoir. We, we run our own independent resource. Um, so I think the, the, um, the strategy is with with uh, Senegal is, is, you know, hang in there. Um, but the, the rest of the assets, you know, we were able to offload Tembo um, at, at a pretty tough time in the market. Uh, we have brought in another, we, we had a private placement uh, for 240,000 um, during the midst of February, you know, during the COVID uh, kickoff. And they actually paid a premium to get in. Um, and that, that was just something that was at the gift of the, of the board at the time. The Turkish assets, the uh, Djibouti assets, the Egyptian assets, um, it's our, um, our stated goal to reduce our distraction and to realise value from non-core assets. I think it's fair to say those would be currently considered non-core assets. Um, I can't obviously go into detail with anybody um, what discussions we're having, if we're having discussions, um, and if we were having discussions, what stage they may be at. Um, but that is certainly going to be the focus for the remainder of this year um, to realise value from those non-core assets so that we can keep our uh, existing uh, kitty uh, topped up and be ready to move as soon as COVID lifts uh, and we can get into Cameroon then be ready to move. And, and well, let's talk about ready. Cameroon. Let's go for Cameroon. Okay. Um, thanks for dealing with all of that. Okay, sounds like you've got a... I hope some of it made sense. <laughs> no, it, do, it does. It's, and it's worth going through because you, you sort of listen to the kind of commentary in the marketplace out there. People are confused as to you know, what the plan is because you've been at it two years, right? And all of the legacy projects are still there. 
You talked yep. recently about a disposal strategy, and I guess people want to see you deliver on that to maybe they've bought into your plan over let's get some money in and do something sensible and proper with Cameroon. So, so let's talk about Cameroon. So what have you got? You seem quite pleased with it. So what have you got? What are you doing? So we've, we've got, um, we're basically taking the company back to what it was. Um, all those guys that, that voted at the requisition to, to, uh, to move away, um, they've got the, the, their wish, their stated aim, which is to go for earlier stage projects again. And uh, we've got two projects in the north, um, Bibami and Wapuzi. So these were originally licenses that were explored by Reservoir Minerals. And there was a su successful um, uh, gold uh, exploration program up there. Um, gold was discovered on both licenses. Uh, it's a significant trend. Cameroon is uh, the central Cameroon shear zone. It basically, is a, it's a mobile belt between the, the Congo Craton and the West African Craton. So geologically, it's a very structurally complex area, but it, loads of opportunity for gold mineralization. Um, Reservoir identified mineralization up there, did some early trenching and rock chipping and mapping. Um, those licenses, uh, we wanted originally to spin the, those out when we were selling Reservoir and, and we were uh, we were not able to do that in the Nevson takeover. So um, those licenses went to Nevson. Nevson walked away from them a couple of years ago uh, because they were also looking to, to sell, the, the, you know, sell the company on. Um, so it was the same partner. Uh, BEIG3. <clears throat> so we, we came in there a couple of years ago, we raised a million pounds, which we've invested into the country, into those licenses. And um, we did some extensive trenching work. Uh, we remapped it, did some soil sampling up at Wapuzi. And we've identified two significant or, or strengthened and identified uh, significant um, mineralized trends at Bibami, which seem to be coalescing in the north. Um, good results from trenching, good results from grab sampling. And at Wapuzi, we've identified about 13 kilometers of anomalous gold as well. We haven't trenched there yet. And, and both projects, the next stage is really to do some drilling, which is what we were planning, um, you know, before before COVID hit. Um, so initially a small drill program at Bibami, um, you know, around about 3,000 meters of short diamond holes to confirm the understanding of the structure in the vein systems that we've got. Uh, you know, we, we identified four different vein systems, two of which are mineralized, two are not. Uh, we retested that hypothesis at the end of last year. We had a very brief uh, spell in the field in December, January, before this, this all closed us down. And every single sample we took from what we classed as mineralized vein came out with mineralization, the highest grade being over an ounce, you know, 35 grams. Um, so the drilling program is really to, to consolidate our structural understanding and to start following up on what we've seen from the surface trenching to give a, a verticality to right. the three dimensions. How are you going to pay for all of this? Well, that's going to be partially covered by the monies that we've been raising through asset realization. Um, we've also had an offer from a, a, a cornerstone investor um, wanting to come in on, on a program there specifically as well. Um, and then the other part of Cameroon is perhaps uh, for the longer term look or the, the bigger picture view perhaps rather than longer term is we picked up a three and a half thousand square kilometer license package in central Cameroon. Um, now this is 
absolutely prime country and it's effectively a district scale package of licenses if, if you were to stick the footprint over the kk inlier in senegal it would cover kind of half of the kk inlier so that sort of scale and um we know that there is gold mineralization on every single one of those licenses um i i, I don't know how much of the history of cameroon you you you're aware of from an exploration point of view but this is this is if I can just digress a little bit and give, fill you in a bit on that, it'll perhaps explain why we're so excited about it. Um, in the 1990s, Senegal and Mali were struggling a bit to get investment in mining and exploration. And they went to the World Bank and they took a loan and they brought in uh, international experts, primarily BRGM, the French Geological Survey, uh, who are well known for their ability to, uh, to map and and do prospecting in West Africa in particular. And they did a big program in Senegal, big program in Mali to promote, uh, the, to improve the database of the geology of the countries and to promote investment. And fast forward 20 years and, and that's where we have all these mines now in Mali and Senegal. Cameroon are busy doing exactly the same thing. They went to the World Bank in 2012. Uh, they got a loan for about 30 million. They've been working with BRGM uh, on the prospectivity of the entire country, remapping it, taking extreme said samples, airborne geophysics, uh, dating studies, a whole suite, suite of prospectivity type work. Um, phase one's completed, and that was, that was put out last year in September. And uh, phase two is now underway, which is the, sort of the edge, edge areas which were, um, which were missed off in phase, two, phase one. Now, Cameroon has a lot of gold, um, but all of the gold that's being, that's being mined at the moment is alluvial, or prim primarily alluvial, along the eastern uh, boundary of the country. And um, this has flown, you know, it's flowed in from somewhere. <laughs> uh, we, we suggest it's come off the, the Cameroon, uh, central Cameroon shear zone and splays off it. And um, interestingly, the central Cameroon shear zone, if you, if you relocate South America and, and Africa, um, the Bobarama trend, which was where Stratex International was investing in advanced stage projects in Brazil in 2017, or trying to, um, that's the same structural trend, it's the same gold trend. So we know there's gold in Cameroon. The Chinese are mining it, the South Koreans are mining it, uh, the Cameroon government knows it. They brought in the World Bank to help them to develop uh, an investment strategy. Uh, develop a database. They brought in GTK, the Finnish Geological Survey, to come in and revamp the mining law, uh, revamp the licensing structure. There's now a, an online cadastre system. You can Google the licenses, you can check the ownership, that sort of thing. So they're making all the steps to make Cameroon a good investment destination. Now, we're already there because we have two operating licenses. And then this new push with these eight new licenses, this three and a half thousand square case. This brings us as a first mover into a hugely prospective yep. area of central Cameroon. Um, now, obviously, can I can I come back to the original question, which was how do you find I see you get it as a geologist getting excited, right? I need, I need to bring this back for, you know, for shareholders and we're going to go, well, how is this guy putting a plan together, which is actually going to create some value for us? All right. So geology, I get. I was in Cameroon in 2013 and 14, early days when they were putting that plan together, sat with the president, discussed it. Today, you've got a lot of optionality. What you don't have is a lot of cash and you've got a depressed share price. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah. how do you finance it? Well, uh, two ways. We, first of all, we, we, are, um, reduced, we have reduced our spend significantly from Stratex days, um, year on year. Um, I think if you look at it on a, on a P&L basis, we're, we're running at about mm-hmm. close to half uh, operating costs that we were. Um, so we've had a, a strategy of cost reduction, which has been very successful. Um, we have a strategy of realizing cash from assets. You didn't answer, uh, but you didn't tell I'm me not, how much you'd realized or <laughs> going to realize, though. Well, we have, you know, we brought in 240,000 from a private placement. We brought in 170,000 from Tembo. There's the potential to bring in significant funds from the royalty package in Turkey. There's the potential to bring in value from Tony Stralix Resources, Tony Stralix Djibouti. Uh, we have outstanding liabilities um, due to us, which we're chasing in Turkey. Uh, we have outstanding research and development uh, tax credits, which we've been successful on for the last two years. And we've got another claim going in, or we will have another claim going in from that. That's a, there's, a, so there's a lot of potential. Together, there's a lot of potential. But I, well, I, we can't. We we can't. I can't give you a, a number. I can't say you know we're going to turn around in two months' time and, and raise a uh, hundred thousand or a hundred million, because we don't know how much we're going to need to raise to top up the kitty until we've realised some of these some of these uh, asset uh, programs. So, are you going to hold back on doing anything in Cameroon until you are a bit more sure of what you've got, and you put a plan together? We are. We have a plan. Um, right. We are we are prohibited from carrying on in Cameroon because we can't travel there. So you know, un- unfortunately, the COVID crisis means that our West African team is stuck in West African manager is stuck in Senegal where he lives. Um, our Cameroon partners are, are stuck in in uh, UND. Uh, they can't travel to the north of the country easily without government uh, approval. So practically, we cannot move into Cameroon right now anyway. We can't mobilize drill rigs. We can't mobilize crews. Um, we are unable to move into country. As soon as we are able, uh, we've got two options. We can, we can get the ground crew going to do some follow-up mapping. Um, we already have drill targets identified. We have drill sites pegged uh, at Bibbamy. Um, and at that point, when we know that we can start to look at travel restrictions lifting, by that stage, we'll have realize some of these uh, value-adding opportunities and we'll be in a better position to say okay we need to raise x amount i'd rather do we as a team would rather go out and raise as little as possible um, at this stage and fund as much of it as possible from our own kitty and from sale of assets that are non-core to reduce the dilution impact on on existing shareholders, you know okay. we're all existing shareholders ourselves. So, so what I'm I just want to say what I'm hearing sense. what I'm hearing is that you you are going to realise some of these assets before you then go back to market and try and raise some capital. Is that yeah right okay and and That's at that point, point you'll know how much you're going to raise. But, between yep. now and then, you're obviously burning through a bit of cash. Is there anything that you can do that you can't go to Cameroon, but is there anything that you're doing at the moment which is kind of trying to generate and create value? Like, are you having conversations about, you know, realizing some of this potential by selling well, I, or offloading? I can't. I, I would love to be able to tell you on, exactly what's happening on that side, but I'm afraid I can't because it's not public knowledge. <laughs> 
Um, all I can say is that you can be, be assured that, that we've not taken the enforced lockdown as an opportunity to sit and do nothing for two months. Um, you know, we've been actively talking to people um, on, on these matters for a significant amount of time. Um, COVID has delayed a lot of things. Um, and as you would imagine, this is exactly the kind of thing that, that COVID would have an impact on. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we are, from that position, we're always talking to people about, about these uh, types of value assets. But we're also working in the background, you know, we have um, remote sensing available for Cameroon. So we're doing work on the central license package at the moment, for example, um, to make sure that when we are let in, all of that early stage desktop work that you would normally do is carrying on right now. You know, our, our West Africa manager's stuck in Senegal, but he's got a computer, so he can, you know, he's already working on um, strategy and planning for structural targeting, um, following up on all of the, the stream sets that BRGM have positive stream said samples that BRGM have identified on those those yeah. eight license packages. Okay, so you said you want to create so, value yeah. for shareholders because you, you are the management you are shareholders, and the current deck yep. says you've got 1.55%, which is about 50 grand. So it's not a lot. Well, it wasn't 50 grand. It wasn't 50 grand when we bought it. I can, I can, I can guarantee you that it was significantly more than that. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got to remember a couple of things here. First of all, uh, we've only been in the management team here for a year and a half, two years. We've not been in since 2006. Um, so there hasn't been a lot of time to build up significant positions. And in a lot of that, as we have now, um, we're in lockdown. Um, you know, blackout periods are extensive when you're trying to sell assets and trying to realize value. So that's partially an issue. Um, we're also uh, aware that, uh, or you should be aware, that the board and the management have taken significant um, uh, options in lieu of salaries. So what people don't uh, don't realise with the the director shareholding and the management shareholding is you know for example most recently uh, the management and the or management board have sacrificed a third of their year's uh, income uh, for share options the share option scheme rather than shares is actually tax efficient for the company so you know as well as the fact that we bought our own shares in the public marketplace at higher prices than than we're trading today. Um, that should sign signify that we have a, a vested interest. The fact that we've sacrificed salary for um, you know four months should have a significant interest. Um, and we've had a, uh, I, I guess, a focus on um, realizing value by keeping the cash within the company. We could have taken higher salaries and used some of that extra income to buy more share position. Uh, it's not appropriate to do in a company this size. How much cash have you got today? Uh, year end, I can't remember what a year end position was. I'd have to check back to the to the uh, to the announcement, but uh, Bob can probably jump in with a with a figure on that. Um, but the the other thing is that we've got uh, you got to remember here that we've got a significant interest by the fact that we're here doing this. I mean, you said yourself earlier in the interview, why didn't I not just get a clean shell and go after Cameroon? Um, we are committed to to adding value here, and that's part of the value that we bring. You know, it would be very simple 
would be very easy. How's that underdog um, looking like? How's that underdog looking now to you? To it's you? looking. It's looking really good. Cameroon is. There's a lot of value tied up in uh, in Turkey and East Eastern Africa, and we we're confident we're going to realise value from those at, at, at the appropriate time. Cameroon is looking fantastic. Um, we really believe that as a new frontier, it ticks all the boxes uh, for attracting. You know, if you if you think carefully about um, the mid tiers and the majors, where are they going to go next in West Africa, particularly? Um, Cameroon is is the gaping hole. It's the place that hasn't been visited yet, and uh, you don't need much success there to start bringing uh, the attention of the of the mid tiers and the majors in. And um, you know, what I we all have some good contacts in those in those larger companies. They're all interested in what we're doing. They're following our story very closely. And when we've de-risked uh, our projects to a certain position, I'm sure they'll be wanting to learn a little bit more about them. Do you think? And then, of course, we have Senegal. So. Yeah, you got Senegal. But none of those things you can really put a value on. I guess that's what the market's missing in the moment. You know, with exactly. three and a half million market that's cap. Why we're, that's why we're struggling with a, a low share price at the moment. Yeah. Right, but you've been there two years. Do you think that you've told the story well? Do you think your shareholders, think new people looking at this, understand what it is that you're trying to do there? I think the shareholders who are looking at this as an early stage um, exploration play, uh, new shareholders coming in, uh, I think they understand what we're trying to do and they probably understand the timelines that are likely to be tied to it. Um, existing shareholders, we have we have few from the Stratex days that on the retail side. Our, our, you know, tech and these guys are still in. They, they know the long-term story. They're, they're in. They're, they're comfortable. Um, but you've, you've had a few. That, you've had quite a few shareholders leave as well, though, haven't you, during this time? Uh, we had a few that came in for the more advanced push. Um, you know, people like uh, Peter Gillenhammer, who was a significant shareholder. You know, he came in for the reason of the advanced push into um, Bob Rema, into uh, what was. Um, the investment in in Brazil, and of course, the strategy of the company changed after the requisition because that was what the shareholders wanted. So shareholders who didn't want that that new strategy, which was the old strategy, you know, they pulled out again. Uh, that, that's perfectly normal. A, a, an intelligent uh, investor will follow the strategy of the company, and if it, as and when that strategy changes, okay. if it's no longer doing it for them, do you do a rollback? Are you going to do a rollback anytime soon? Because you've got 751 million shares out, three and a half million pound company, you mean? Now, now is not the time to do that. Okay. Why? Uh, because we're busy with Cameroon. We're busy with asset realization. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of value we can add just by doing some very, very standard exploration, boots on the ground, advancing early stage projects in new frontiers. That's that's our real focus. And what are you waiting for? What's When can you start delivering this value, do you think? COVID. <laughs> uh, we need to, you know, I, I was I was scheduled to be out in uh, in Cameroon in March. Uh, we were stuck there. We were able to, um, you know, we have very good relationships with our partner there and, and so on. We're able to, to move things forward through our partner, luckily, uh, as our sort of in-country representative. But uh, really, we want to get on the ground. We'd like to get some drills into Bibbani. Uh, we'd like to get the Cameroonian license package 
you know, we, we've had sight of um, the BRGM uh, data from that area, which which they they, they showed around at the uh, the conference in September in Yeomi last year, and there are multiple uh, stream set anomalies of gold in in every single one of those eight licenses. I'm itching to get the team in there and follow up on those and get our own results out, uh, so that we can make those public, and um, you know we can have our own data uh, for that central package, which will. I'm sure once that gets out, uh, people will realise that um, they'll realise why we're so excited about it. Okay, Tim, thank you very much for running through that. Great run through. It's uh, difficult times for everyone. Um, you, you've yeah. got a lot of things to sort out. I think besides COVID, you've got a lot of things to sort out. Uh, so best of luck with that this year. Stay in touch. Uh, give us a call when things start to resolve themselves, or you can start to realise some of this potential. Uh, yep. Off, offloading some of these ass legacy assets of yours, okay? So appreciate your time today. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.